Good morning. Uh, are you ready for this? <laughs> it's so nice to see everybody in church. Got a little extra special treat. I got my son Ryan, who's right here, and his wife Jenny, and their three kids. They're coming to support the old man, and Ryan's more handsome. We look a lot alike, but he's a lot more handsome than me. They got some folks that uh, are come Dewey and Vicky. They show up every time I get a chance to preach, and uh, got a chance to marry them five years ago. Anyway, last week, Brother Pete brought the word. Did he do a good job for those who were here? Come on, give him a little hand. Talked about the rooms that we go into and, and, uh, and how we kind of get into the rooms of depression and different type of room. And until we open the door and Jesus comes in, then when Jesus comes into those rooms that we have, that then things start to change. Amen? So before we get going, I just want to tell a story. Uh, uh, hopefully it's humorous. We'll soon find out. But anyway, this, this preacher from this area, uh, fact of, in, the, anyway, there was a, uh, a funeral, and they called the church, and they needed somebody to go do the funeral. And uh, Pastor Dan was busy, and I was busy, but they called, and somebody went out there. So this, this man went out, and he looked, and he looked, and he was trying to find the gravesite. He's got a GPS and can't find it. Finally, about a half hour later, he shows up late, and here is a, a backhoe. They dug a hole for the casket, or what looks like the casket, and the workmen are standing there, and this guy gets out. And he says, is this the, the place for so-and-so? And he says, yes, it is. And he says, well, great. He says, he says, well, I'll start doing the service. So he starts doing the eulogy and the homily and all the stuff you do in a funeral service. And then he started preaching. And he started preaching. And then all of a sudden, he's just preaching. And one of the workmen said, hallelujah. And another one says, praise the Lord. And he's going, my Lord. And he's just preaching like crazy. And it goes for about an hour. And finally... He gets to the end, and he does a little prayer, and he starts walking back to his car. And one of the workmen sitting on the dirt goes, man, alive. I've never seen, I've never seen or heard anything like that in my life. And what the other workman says, what do you mean? He says, I've been putting in septic tanks for 25 years, and I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> so I happened to get some pictures. <laughs> some of you just got that. All right. So I actually got some emails of the, the person that was doing that service being like the best John the Baptist he could be. So here's some pictures of that person preaching. <laughs> Can you go back to the first one again? And the second one? One more time. Just to drive it in, just to drive it in the ground. <laughs> yeah, man, Pete. Okay, give him another hand because he took a lot of abuse. <laughs> of course, that wasn't true. You know that, right? Okay, imagine we've had 82 or 87 days of continuous sunshine other than for one day we had four-tenths of an inch of rain. The best summer on history for the Northwest, I think, other than one year before. Summertime is such a great time. We get to dress casual, we act casual, we eat lots of food, we hang out with friends. Just imagine just briefly that we all go to the beach. And so there's some of us and different, different types of ways of going to the beach. Some of you have Bermuda shorts, sandals, and dark socks. And some of you have big umbrellas, and some of you have 
shorts and shirts that have all kinds of weird stuff and Hawaiian shirts. And we're in the water playing and we're sweating and we're having fun and there's food. I love the summertime. Get a little vitamin D. I'm starting to fade. <sighs> Sandals, flip-flop, barefoot. Now imagine we're all playing and we come in and there's a big barbecue all set up. All set up. And it's going on. And it's got all the food set up. And you look around and there's Jesus. Modern day Jesus on the beach. And we're all, our hair's all matted. We got sand everywhere and we got different kinds of clothes on and whatnot. And we come up on the beach. And he says, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to be with you. Let's have a barbecue. Let's enjoy each other. What do you think? Come on in. And that's what the sermon's going to be today is breakfast with Jesus. Come as you are. And we probably should pray before we go too much further. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you, who you are, that you come to us in the middle of the mountaintop experiences and the valleys and when we least expect it. And you sometimes just show up for breakfast and you just want to commune with us. You just want to hang out with us. Lord, you are so awesome. When we look back at where we have been and who we were and who we are now because of you, you're awesome. You're awesome. We thank you for this time. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, there's several times in the Bible that the disciples are fishing. All of a sudden, they're fishing, and Jesus shows up. And when I kept researching this, there was one time, at least one time, in the, before the cross, one time, Jesus had already called him into ministry. He had already picked Simon and Andrew, James and John, Judas, Matthew, all, this, all the disciples. And then a little bit later, he calls them into ministry, and he actually anoints them and says, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to save souls. But somewhere around in that time, the disciples, Jesus is preaching. So if you, we're going to take a look at Luke 5, 1 through 11. And this is called Fishing Before the Cross. And it should be up there. There we go. Luke 5, 1 to 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by <clears throat> Lake Genesaret. And we'll get into the different names of the Sea of Galilee, but this is one of them. Sea of Genesaret. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out just a little bit from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the shore. Now, when he was through speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And Simon answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, have taken nothing, none, nonetheless, I will do what I say. And when he had done this, they enclosed the great multitude of fish, and their net began to break. And then they called for their partners on the shore, hey, come help us, who were on the other boat. And they all came to help. And they came and filled up both boats, and both boats began to sink. That's a lot of fish. Okay. Simon Peter, when he saw this, he said, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He just couldn't believe the goodness of God. Do you believe how good God has been to you? Do you ever sometimes just get on your knees and say, God, really, me? You still love me? 
You know what I was thinking the other day? You know what I did? Jesus says, yeah, I, I love you a lot. For he was astonished at all those who were with him and the catch of the fishes they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and were the partners. And um, finally Jesus said, henceforth, from hereforth, from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. The other one said, you shall be fishers of men, right? Remember the story? Catch means to capture alive. When he said, we're going to be fishers, you and me are going to be fishers of men. We're not going to club people on the head with the Bible or hook them with a hook, but we're going to, we're going to catch them. We're going to capture them alive for the kingdom of God. Just a question, how many people in your life, whether it's 20 years or 85 years, have you captured for the kingdom of God? It's just a question. Actually, more than you ever think. And when they finally, verse 11, it says, And when they brought their boats to land, the disciples forsook all and followed him. Forsook is old English, probably a word, a deviation of forsake. But it means to give up something. They gave up all, it says. To leave completely behind, abandon, relinquish, walk away. When you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, probably with time there was things that you walked away from in your life. Things and thoughts and habits, lifestyles you walked away from. This is what the disciples were going. But they forsook, forsook, that's hard to say. <laughs> they walked away. They gave up completely everything that was important to their life to be with the king of kings. What are we giving up? Is there something else on your list that you need to be thinking about giving up? God loves us so much. He really loves us so much. A lot of you don't know me, but I cry at dog food commercials. So if I get misty about talking about Jesus, it's just the way I am. Because God has brought us through so much. With the 43 years that we've been married and our kids that have gone through things and, and three out of our four kids should have been killed in terrific accidents. And God miraculously healed them. And, and how we've been miraculously healed health-wise. I'm talking about myself. And just the goodness of God time after time after time. And then to see how God uses us to touch other people and the ripple effect of Jesus in us, just like he's doing in you, to touch other people. And when we get to the end, the ripple effect, God's going to say, boom, here's the ripple. Here's all the people you attached. Here's all the people you affected with your life and your heart and with the spirit of God living in me. Amen. Good. I'm glad I wasn't talking just to me. It's so true. And I, I realize I come across as pretty animated and excited. That's, that's just me. You may not be that way, but I just look back and I go, wow, are you kidding me? There I go again. I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. Not so good. Okay. Not that you want this, but I figured that as long as I did the research, you've got to endure through it. Interesting facts about the Sea of Galilee. A lot of Jesus' ministry revolved around the Sea of Galilee. I actually did some more research. He actually walked about 10 to 20 miles a day. In his lifetime, he actually walked. Walked about 21 to 25,000 miles in his lifetime. 
because they didn't have any wagons. They didn't have any carts. You walked everywhere. I didn't know that. But most of it happened around the Sea of Galilee. It's not a sea. There's no salt water. It's a great big lake. In the Bible, it has several names, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. Luke refers to it as the Lake of Genesaret. And today, if you go to Jerusalem, you go, where's the Sea of Galilee? They go, well, we've heard of that, but it's actually called Lake Kinneret. And it's a big lake. It's about 13 miles long, 8 miles wild. It's about two-thirds the size of Lake Washington. And it's it's the lowest freshwater lake below sea level in the world. The types of fish in Lake Kinneret oh, are sardines. If you remember the loaves and the fishes, the little boy had two fishes and some loaves of bread. They probably were sardines. And um, then there's something called barbells, which are little perchy little, you can say perchy, perch-like fish that have hooks on the corner of the mouth. And then mushed. Everybody say mushed. Mushed and fries. I'll take a big order of that, please. It's now actually called St. Peter's fish. Is there a picture of it? It's a nice-looking fish, I guess. You like fish? Weighs up to three pounds. It's probably what the disciples caught a lot. Uh, three pounds up to two feet in length, and it had a big dorsal fin on the back that looked like a comb. And that's all the information I have about the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Thought you'd want to know. Thank you for sharing, Pastor Randy. All right. And if you want some mushed on your plate, or as they call St. Peter's fish, just go to any store and order tilapia. And that's what it is today. See, aren't you glad you came to church? I mean, it's like a travel all. So Pastor Dan said, all right, we've been doing John forever. I want you to do chapter 21. And chapter 21 is interesting in that, Most of John has been theology and Barabbas and John the Baptist and the the Pharisees and Sadducees of the Sanhedrin and what Caesar did and what Herod did and all this and painting the picture of what led up to the crucifixion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Everyone said I got that? Okay. Suddenly in chapter 21, John just goes a little cuckoo. He's written like 20 chapters and now he's... He's, and Dan says, it'll fit you perfectly. Because all of a sudden, John is just focusing on the weirdest details ever. He's focusing on how, how far they were from shore, how many fish they caught, what, who was wearing what, and who was, and, and, and what was on the beach. All this crazy stuff. Dan said, that'll fit you just fine. And I love the story that Jesus appears to the disciples. And all the strange details. Jesus came back to eat breakfast. Came back to eat breakfast, lounged around on the beach with his friends. Very earthly, very normal. Hungry. Wanted to have breakfast with his friends around the fire on the beach. I'll sign up for that. That sounds good. How'd you like to have breakfast every morning with Jesus? Face to face, we get, actually get to do that. So that's what John is about. Uh, there is a quick quote from a book uh, called River Why by a guy named Duncan. And he's talking about one of the things that, that we're going to get to in just a second. They, were, they caught 153 fish. 
John thought it was important that we should know that there was 153 fish. So here's, here's his take on this. This seems to me to be one of the most remarkable statistics ever. Consider the circumstances. After this, the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus is standing on the beach, newly risen from the dead. It is only the third time that the disciples have seen him since the nightmare at Calvary. And yet we learn that the fish numbered 153 precisely. Hauling the net to shore, the disciples squatted down by the immense writhing fish pile. Boy, that's hard to say, writhing fish pile. And started tossing them into a second pile, counting them painstakingly. One, and they're big fish. Two, three, four, 100, 125, 150, 153. All the meanwhile, Jesus is on the beach. He's got a barbecue going. He wants to have breakfast with these guys. And they're counting, they're counting the fish. They get to shore. They're rejoicing and ecstatic to see Jesus. But they go back to what you do. And what do you do every morning? You know, you get the cup of coffee, you get up, you get going, text, 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 check Facebook, do this, do that, uh, check your schedule. Uh, do you have breakfast with Jesus? Sometimes. We get so busy with our lifestyles. That we just go flying out the door. We gotta go count the 153 fish. And Jesus is saying, What about me? What about me? I'm right here. How far in the day are we gonna go until, until we say, Jesus, good morning or good afternoon or maybe it's just at nighttime? <laughs> I'm talking to me, I'm not talking to you. So they get to shore and exactly 153. Okay. Now we jump to after the cross, okay? Before the cross, they forgot everything. They went fishing. Now here's after the cross, after the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to take a look at John 21, 1 through 14. We're going to read this and then we'll come back. After these things, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Well, there's the other name. So Tiberias, Galilee, Genesis, and Ginneret. Um, and showed himself. Um, and showed himself. There were together Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said. Simon Peter said. <laughs> Simon Peter said unto them, I'm going fishing, and said unto them, We also will go with thee. And they went and entered the boat immediately. That night they caught nothing. They used to fish at night all the time. They'd go out, they put lanterns on the side of the boat, and they'd go fishing. I always thought, well, why are they always fishing at night? That's why. They were cheating. You can't do that nowadays if you go fishing with a flashlight. Okay, but when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, Children, have you have any meat? Do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast your net on the other side. You all know the story. You shall find it. They cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes, it says. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat. And we'll come back to this. Girded his fisher coat about him, for he was naked. And cast himself into the sea. And the disciples came in a little boat 
for they were not far from land, 200 cubits, dragging the fish net behind them. And soon as they were on land, they saw a fire of coals, and there was fish on the fire, and there was nice toasted bread. Simon Peter went up and threw the net. Simon went up and drew the net to the land, full of great fishes, 153. And though there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said, come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask, who art thou? Because they knew who he was. Then Jesus came and took the bread, gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This was the third time that uh, it says, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. After the, after the resurrection, that night, the disciples are in a locked room, fearing that the Jews were going to kill them. And they're fearful, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears into this locked room. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? Ever have Jesus kind of disappear in the middle of your storm when you least expect it? But that's what had happened. Thomas somehow missed the memo on this meeting. So a week later, it says in the scripture back in John 20 that they had another meeting. Thomas was there. And the same thing. In a locked room, Jesus appears. Thomas goes, show me, show me your nail prints, Jesus. Show me, this, show me this, where the sword went into your side. That's where Thomas and the rest of the disciples got to see again that Jesus was alive. Some of you have had terrible, have had the loss of loved ones. Some natural, some tragic. Your mind just doesn't work the same. And so the disciples were in that, that stage of trying to figure things out. And was Jesus really alive? Wasn't he alive? Is this... And he's coming to him, face to face. Yeah, I'm here. And it, it was taking him a little while to grasp that. So after these things, Jesus showed up. He's done it the previous two times. Now John goes on to say, there was Simon, and Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel goes on, seven disciples. Why didn't John put that in there? Seven out of the eleven remaining disciples are with Jesus. Uh, excuse me, are, are, are there hanging out together. They're kind of lost, and all of a sudden they're sitting on the shore, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And being real guys, they go, oh, 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 me too. Count me in. And all of a sudden these seven guys go down, oh, 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 going fishing. And they jump in the boat, and off they go, fishing all night. Simon Peter said unto them, I'm going fishing. Back to their old way of doing life. You know, tomorrow, we all have a routine. So, all of a sudden, they're going back to their routine. They know how to fish. When the morning had come now, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it. So they're fishing. Here's this guy on the beach. They have no idea that, uh, that he's there. And Jesus yells out to them. Hey, you have any fish? You have any meat? And they answered them, No. So this voice, man from the shore says, Cast your net on the other side and you shall fish. They cast and there were so many fish that they couldn't draw it in. Can you imagine you're fishing and you hear some guy from the shore say, uh, Put your net on the other side and you've been fishing all night? What's your first reaction going to be? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, who are you? What are you talking about? Why are you even saying that? And they cast, cast the net in to the other side. And they'd fished all night. Therefore, the disciple that Jesus loved said unto Peter, It's the Lord. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, but he didn't say that he saw it was the Lord. And then he said he girded his fisher's coat above him, for he was naked, and plunged him, cast himself, plunged himself, threw himself, jumped, dove into the water. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but why in the world is Peter fishing naked? <laughs> Have you ever seen that in there before? The boy's fishing naked. So the Internet, it has just about everything in the world. So I go fit the methods of fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And they had three. and Three methods of fishing. It's, I love the Internet. Anyway, for an old guy. Anyway, I came across the cast method, casting a net. And so what that was um, is it was a great big round net. And it was 20 to 26 feet in diameter. And you'd either fish from shore, and you've seen the pictures where they throw the net out and it floats out and goes in a big circle, or you throw it from a boat. Well, now they're in a boat with seven disciples. And he says, throw it to the other side. So he throws it, it goes out, and about, it's this big flat net, and about every foot or 16 inches there's a weight. Okay? So it goes out, flutters out there, plops in the water. The weights start to bring it down. And the weights start to come down around the fish, and they're coming down this way and eventually coming together. So, if you've ever seen TV in the news and seen Middle Eastern men, you'd realize that they wear long tunics or a fisher's coat, or we would call it a robe. And that, uh, but you don't want to be fishing. Have you ever gone swimming in your clothes? Ever jumped in? It's a little hard to go around. So anyway, the reason he was fishing the way he was was that they couldn't get all the fish. They couldn't get the 153 fish into the net. So they take off their fisher coat. They're real men. There was no fruit of the loom or boxer short store nearby. They dive in, and they're trying to get the bottom of the net up, cinch it up, and bring it up. And then Peter, it's the Lord. Oh, my gosh. So he gets his, his fisher coat, gets his tunic on, and then... <laughs> then Peter, in the best Peter, just flies himself off the boat. Different versions of the Bible said he plunged himself, he threw himself, he jumped, he dove. Ever see Forrest Gump? Crazy movie. Great movie. There's one scene where he's coming back from fishing with Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory, or company, and he's coming back in the boat, and he's coming out kind of the inland waterway there. Remember that? And then he, he, he's... he's and all of a sudden he sees, and who's he see on the, on the dock in the wheelchair? Lieutenant Dan. And he sees him, just like Peter, Lieutenant Dan. And if you watch the movie, he just goes, Lieutenant Dan. And he just runs and out into space and splashes in the water to be with his friend Dan. And he goes, this, Lieutenant Dan. It's so good to see you, Lieutenant Dan. Peter. Jumped out of the boat. He didn't care. He jumped. What he didn't know is how far away he was. Look at the next verse. The other disciples. I love Peter. He gets a bad rap. Let me just back up. 
All through. I just, how are we doing on time? We're doing great. Peter. In Matthew 4, Jesus chose Peter as the first disciple. And then he went down through the list. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls disciples into ministry one by one. The first one he calls is Peter. He tells Peter, he says, Petra, on this, on this rock I will build my church. In Matthew 14, Jesus walks on the water. The disciples see him. Jesus says, fear not, fear not. They can see him now. They thought it was a ghost. Now he's close enough. He says, fear not. It is I. It is I. And Peter, duh, goes, Lord, if it's really you, and he just told him, hey, it's me. He said, if it's really you, just tell me to come, and I will come. And Jesus, in his own mind, goes like this. But he tells him to come. Peter jumps off the boat, and you know the rest of the story. Peter rebukes Jesus. There's one point where Jesus is telling in Matthew 16, where he's telling uh, the disciples what's going to happen and what's going to happen as far as his crucifixion and all that stuff. Jesus pulls into my side. You know, have you ever pulled a preacher aside and said, you know, what you got to be doing is this and this and this. So he pulls him aside and Jesus, he says, you can't be talking that way. You can't be talking about your death and then all that. That's just not going to happen. You know, who do you, you can't be talking. You, we're going to take you care of your mano y mano. We're not going to do this. Jesus then rebukes Peter and says, get thee behind me. We're, going to, we're about the kingdom of God. We're not about doing it the world's way. This is what God's calling me to do. I love Peter. Peter cuts off the right ear in the garden, takes off the sword. He's aiming for the guy's head, misses. He's a fisherman, takes off the guy's ear. And Jesus says, come on, Pete. And then after where the Sanhedrin had beaten Jesus and they'd taken him, they, Peter's out in the courtyard. And this servant girl comes up and says, you're, 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 that, you're that guy. You were that Jesus guy, aren't you? He says, no, 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 no. That, I'm sorry, you got me confused with somebody else. Goes over to another part of the courtyard over by a burn barrel and getting his hands warm. This is my take on it. And uh, he goes, you were at that Jesus. He says, no, I've never known the man. I don't know this man. So he goes to another part. Now he's kind of surrounded by a group of people, and they're getting in his face. and says, you're the guy. You're, you were with that Jesus. You're one of his followers. And the Bible says he cursed Adam. He swore at him. Ever been around a fisherman? They can let him fly. He got angry. I don't know that man. I don't know this Jesus. Blank, blank, blank. I don't know him. Get out of my face. Go away. We're so much like Peter. You know, we kind of put Peter in this thing. You know, what a wild rogue. We have so many knee-jerk reactions in our life. We think things and we, we think things be. We act before we think. We try to tell Jesus what to do. We try to rebuke Jesus. Now, this is what I'm going to do. You stay over there and I'm going to do this. <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter, Peter. Randy, Randy, Randy. Put your name in three times.
So Impulsive Peter jumps out of the boat, it says in verse 8. And the disciples came a little bit. The disciples were dragging it. So now there's six in the boat. Two are rowing. They got four guys. And they got 153 fish times two or three pounds. They got 500 pounds of fish that they're trying to drag to shore. And John puts in this little thing, and there were 200 cubits away from shore. And you, I won't ask what a cubit, I'll tell you what a cubit is. When they built the ark, they talked how the, the ark was 400 cubits by 80 cubits by whatever. You know what a cubit is? I'll tell you. A, a cubit is a measurement of from your middle finger to your elbow, which is approximately 18 inches. And they do that. Or six widths of your fingers together, which is about three inches. Six times three is 18. And um, so it was an approximate measurement, but he was 200 cubits. So he's jumped off. He's put his fisher coat on. He's girded his loins, which means he wrapped himself up, tucked it in. Now he's jumped in the water, and he's 200 cubits away. 300 feet. (laughs) 300 feet from shore with a heavy robe on, with a heavy tunic. And now he's swimming. Jesus! Jesus, it's Pete! Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. And he's just excited. How was the last time you were excited about seeing Jesus in your life? So he's, he's flopping around, and the guys are dragging the, the other fish in. Finally, he gets her. And as soon as they come to land, they saw the fire with the coals and the fish that was laid off and the bread. Jesus had a barbecue going. He wanted to have breakfast with the boys. He had the fish all laid out. He had the buns up on the upper rack. And uh, he just wanted to spend some time. Wanted to spend some time. And he even said, bring some more fish up here. We're going to have a big fish feed here. And then verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net. So Simon started pulling the net up. John puts all this crazy stuff in, in this thing. Peter's pulling the net up. The other disciples go help him. 500, 400 pounds of fish. They've seen Jesus. They're all excited. Jesus, oh, we're so good to see you. Just like Forrest Gump, you know, Lieutenant Dan, all excited. But then what did they do? They, got, they had double excitement, seeing Jesus, but they were fishermen, and they had to go back to their lifestyle real quick, and they had to go back and go one, two, three, and count all their fish. They had to do what they thought was important. Before they had time with Jesus. Kind of like you and me. Fishermen for 2,000 years have had the excitement of catching fish. And catching the number. And being excited about what's at that. And so here we are 2,000 years later. And fishermen have not really changed. And here's a video to kind of show that. With Edgar's repair holding, the crew gets back to fishing.
uh, hundreds is, uh, for the first time. That's quite a sight, especially when you do the math, you know. 600 pounds, it's a $5,000 pot. This keeps up for going home, isn't it? Six hours later. We got the last pot in that string up. Just one more to pull. Six choice to fish red crab is paying off. We just nailed it. <laughs> Did you see their excitement? Hundred. Hundred of them, 153 fish. So you kind of get the idea what the what the disciples were going through. Then Jesus said unto them, "Come and dine." And they had breakfast on the beach. They had breakfast on the beach with the King of Kings. You know, there's a, a cereal out there. It's called the Breakfast of Champions, and so sometimes with with Jesus. With Jesus, he's our champion. But you can have breakfast with anybody here, and it wouldn't be the same. For example, right here. Go a little, a little slower. Michael Jordan, Wilmot. And this one is some kind of freak of nature. It's Mary Lou Retton with... You want to... Go back and just go through them again, just for my giggles. Okay. There you go. Pete Rosell, Pete Rose, Michael Jordan, and wow. <laughs> Isn't it? Mary Lou Retton. Poor little girl with the big Irish head on her. That's not, that is not right. Something wrong with that. Do you have the picture of the fish and the bread there? Now, some of you women, that's not really a, a way of having a breakfast. But that's what the, the fishermen wanted. They wanted to have a little time with Jesus. Wanted to have time with Jesus. But, you know, you can have breakfast of champions with those four people. But what happens if you have the breakfast of champions with the champion of life, with the king of all kings, with the lord of all lords? And you had breakfast with him. Put on your robe. Put on your robe. I don't want to even know what you all look like in the morning when you're getting up. But, you know, Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care if your hair is messed up. doesn't care if you don't have any makeup on. He just wants you to come. He just wants you to start the day with him. He just wants to have breakfast. He just wants to hang out with you. He wants to let you know that you're the most precious thing in his creation. He wants you to tell him, Lord, I'm so thankful. Everything you've done for me. You know what they call that? What we call that in the church? That's praise. You praise them. You're lifting them up. You say, Lord, you're so awesome. Look what you, look at that sunshine. Look at what the day has. You got me another day. You know, if you get an email from me, I, a lot of times I'll sign it off. Every day is a precious, precious gift, dot, dot, dot. Tear it open. And that's true. The praise. Praise, praise, praise. Turn on some music. Praise. Listen to what he says. That's called his word. 
to get into his word. He's talking to us every day through his word. And when we talk to him, that's called prayer. Heartfelt prayer with the, the ultimate champion, the ultimate king. I don't know about you, I sure love Jesus. So I'm not here to put any guilt trips. I'm not here to put any guilt trips on anybody. Because I'm I'm talking to me. I got convicted putting this sermon together. The difference between doing and saying. You know, can say all the right words. We all know how to to go on a diet or do this or whatnot. We all know the formula, but obviously some of us don't do that. Breakfast with Jesus, come as you are. Don't look at that sheet, just let me read it to you. Because I'm going to read it to you as hard as I can read it. Jesus had conquered death and was alive. Somebody say amen. The disciples were experienced. The risen Jesus face to face. The disciples saw him. They talked with him. They had breakfast with him. Jesus had breakfast with them. He sat on the beach. He just enjoyed it. Had a fire going. Had a barbecue going. No schedule. Just to hang out with him. We also have experienced the presence of the risen Christ. When we have walked with him and talked with him. We felt the presence in our cars. Some of us, the best chapel that we have is going down the street. Hopefully you got your eyes open. Is driving down the street and having praise music on and, and talking to God and praying God and got the music on. We felt his presence in times of prayer. We felt his presence in the times of worship. We felt his presence in, in the sick room, either of ourselves or family members. We felt it at the graveside when loved ones have passed. And some of you have experienced it being on the distant battlefield, being in war. Every day the risen Lord is is present in our lives. He is with us each day bringing us hope and reminding us that we are in his care. He's always with us. He is with us in life's most difficult moments as well as the mountaintop experiences. The mountaintop experiences and the lowest valleys. I had an old saint down at... uh, First assembly, he says, down in the valleys, Randy, is where the little flowers grow. Nothing grows on the top of the mountain where it's really pretty, but the real nice flowers go down in the valley. That was for free. He's with us in life's most difficult moments. He's closer than our own breath. The Bible said he's closer than a brother, and he will be there when we need him. Just as disciples met Jesus Christ on the shore of Galilee, we will meet him. He wants to meet you and me, as often as possible, every day is better on the shore of your life. If your schedule is so full that you're running here and there, that you're so uh, married to your electronics and what's on there, and you're spending way more time than you're talking to the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm probably meddling here a little bit, our priorities get all messed up. Our priorities get messed up. Take, I don't know, what percentage do you want to take from all the stuff that we do as far as watching TV and the Internet and Facebook and this and that and that? Take a percentage of that. And you say, okay, I'm going to give this. And don't take off a, a big hunk. 
Take off three minutes. Take off four minutes. And say, Lord, I'm going to hang out with you, and it's going to be from the bottom of my heart, and we're going to do this. And then I get a little bit stronger. I'm going to get up to five minutes. I'm going to get up to ten minutes. Jesus changes lives. He will change your life. He has changed your life. Look where you are. Look where you've been. Look where you're going. Come to Jesus just as you are. And he will gladly meet you on the shore of your life. He just wants to hang out with you. He wants to pray with you. He wants to have some food. He just wants to hug on you. He wants to let you know most of us don't have people that tell you, you know, I am so proud of you. I don't get too many people telling me that they're proud of me. You know, and they have somebody really say it. Men's fraternity, we were talking, and I don't know if it's true. It's just an illustration that someone gave me one time, and I just loved it. And it's this. If Jesus has a refrigerator, he has your picture on it. And every time he goes past that refrigerator, he goes, there's my, there's my daughter, Bobby. See, I'm so proud of her. And there's Rich, and there's Pete, there's Colby, there's Adam, there's Kathy, there's Gary. These are all my kids. Ever go to somebody's house and the house is just, the refrigerator is just covered with pictures of the kids and all that? Jesus is so proud of you. He's so proud of me. And he just wants, yeah, just wants to, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking to me. Get out of our complacency. Get out of our thing of doing the same thing the same way, expecting different results and being so busy with the stuff of life. And Jesus says, so John puts all this detail. Naked fishermen, 153 fish, seven people in the boat, all this stuff. Because we get all wrapped up with details and facts and figures in our life. And all he's want to say is, get rid of all that stuff and focus on that stuff. I love you. <laughs> Um, if you don't know Jesus this way, today's the perfect day. Today's the perfect day. If you don't know Jesus and you don't know how to talk to him and you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven, this is the perfect day. This is the perfect day. So if you don't know Jesus... bow your head just for a second. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being on the shore of our life. Thank you for being willing to just be us where we're at. To the mountaintops and the valleys. And you just want to speak with us. You want to soothe us. You want to hear, heal our broken pain, our broken hearts, and lift us up. And you want to tell us how proud of us how proud of, yeah, how proud of us you are. You say, that's my kid on the refrigerator. I'm so proud of them. If there's anybody here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and 
that's something that you've been thinking about and can feel the Lord talking at you, just raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. I don't know Jesus that way. I know about him, but I don't know him personally. If that's you this morning, praise God. And for the rest of us, you said, man, I need to step my game up a little bit. I'm not... I want to see Jesus in my life. I want to see Jesus on a daily basis. I don't want to just put him on the shelf and just once in a while. I want him to be real in the center post of my life. If that's you and you haven't been doing that, and you're saying, I'm going to start taking those steps, those baby steps, start putting Jesus more in the center of my life and less of me in the center of my life. If that's you this morning, you say, I'm going to take steps. I'm going to start doing it right now. Just raise your hand. You say, that's me. That's me. Praise God. I got both hands up. So the rest of you must be really good or you're holding back. But that's okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being in your church. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for being you. In Jesus' name.